have the message this morning. Isn't that a great song? I love that. Growing up, for those of you that grew up, a lot of times we had the old Christmas CDs playing my parents didn't. It was always Bing Crosby, you know, and so I hear Bing Crosby's voice in my head when I when I sing that. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Ken. You can always count on Brother Ken. And then uh, one of my family members had a favorite song, A Blue Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Are you putting quarters in him? It's like a jukebox. You just keep, keep feeding quarters in uh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's right. <laughs> Not sure how Christian that is, but. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My parents had this old, it was an old vinyl record, and it was called An Axe, and Apple, and a Buckskin Jacket. And it was old Bing Crosby, and he would sing some songs, but he also told a story. Does anybody ever remember that? You have it? I've looked for that for years. I'm trying to get a hold of that thing. Maybe I'll steal it from you. And uh, if anybody breaks in, it's not me. Uh, but yeah, an axe and apple and a buckskin jacket, and every year we'd have to, and I, you know, I'm just a kid, so I'm like, we've got to listen to this thing again, you know. And every year we'd have to stop everything and gather around the record player and listen to this thing, but now I wish I had one. I, you, you know you're getting old when you start acting like your parents. <laughs> so Luke chapter 2. What an amazing portion of Scripture, and of course the story we're about to read changed the course of history. And so let's follow along, and we'll read verses... 1 through 14. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. The Word of God says, you can listen as I read, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel, the saving gospel that can help us know we're going to heaven. It all begins with this story right here. The birth of Christ, that miracle where you took yourself and somehow wrapped your majesty, your deity into human flesh. And then humbled yourself, not just to live among men, but to be a baby among them and to grow and to learn. And then you were born to die. Thank you for this miracle. And we pray that you'd give us wisdom as we consider it this morning and that you would help us to honor you by remembering the great miracles of Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It's beautiful. Father, thank you for um, that night (coughs) when the Christ child was born. Pray that you would help us to celebrate it in a way that would honor you this Christmas season. As we turn our attention to your word, help us to understand just how special this day was and the miracles that surrounded uh, this precious child's birth. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to hearts. Of course, if there's one that's not sure they're saved, and they've never trusted in Jesus Christ, their Savior, I pray today would be that day. And Lord, for those who are saved, may we rejoice in such a glorious Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn back to Luke and just hold your Bibles there in the book of Luke. Christmas is a time of miracles, and this morning I want to show you four miracles uh, that surrounded the birth of Christ, and then I'm going to perform a miracle myself right before your eyes. I'm going to preach shorter today, and uh, I know you don't believe it. Can such things be? What manner of man is this? And uh, my Christmas gift to you is I'm going to preach less than a minute. And so, <clears throat> uh, but I do love Christmas. Uh, I love uh, the entire season. Uh, I love the decorations. Uh, I know some Christians are like, well, the decorations are pagan. Okay, then I'm a pagan. Uh, you know, I just, I like the decorations. <clears throat> I like the songs. Uh, I like the snow looking through a window at it. Uh, I like the wood stove. I mean, I just, I like the stockings. I like Christmas Eve. Uh, I like our family traditions. Uh, I like Christmas morning. I just love the whole thing. I love Luke chapter 2. I'm glad that there's a day that Christians have set aside to celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, we know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. But it's a day set aside 
to celebrate his birth, I was reminded of something this uh, season just recently <clears throat> that a family member has a birthday sometime in December, but they're not sure what day it is uh, just because of circumstances. And uh, later they found out the birth certificate says one day, but they've always celebrated it on a different day. And that's always been their birthday. So even after the birth certificate says one day, no, they always celebrate it on this day. And so it doesn't really matter what day Christ was born. It matters that we celebrate that day and uh, honor him and in our hearts. And I just, I love Christmas. And Christmas, one theme that goes along with the Christmas season in America has been this theme of miracles. Uh, even the world would acknowledge Christmas season as a, a season of miracles. They talk about uh, miracles that have happened in the past and miracles of giving books about miracles during Christmas. And a lot of Christmas songs talk about miracles. Uh, Christmas movies talk about miracles. You think about some of the famous uh, older movies, uh, It's a Wonderful Life or The Miracle on 34th Street or those types of things, you know, the whole stories of Scrooge. And, and uh, this, this theme of miracles has always kind of woven through the popular ideas of Christmas. And I believe that's because uh, the emphasis on miracles began because Christmas is about the miraculous birth of Christ. And I think that we need to emphasize that. Now, no doubt Satan tries to distract people from the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, we know that Santa Claus is, has become a big distraction over the years. In our family, we treat Santa Claus as a fictional figure like you would Mickey Mouse or something like that, you know. I know some Christians that every time they see like a visage of Santa, they want to like burn it to the ground and cut it into pieces. And, and uh, uh, we just treat him like a cartoon character. Uh, but it's amazing to me how many people think that Christmas time is about Santa. And what a distraction. Uh, what a distraction from the, the main truth of what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about, and it celebrates, the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Talk about a miracle. A virgin birth, and not just a birth of a, a child, the Son of God wrapped in flesh so that God could complete His amazing gospel plan. This morning I want to show you four miracles in the Bible that happened around the birth of Christ, including His birth, and I think it will be a good reminder to us. Uh, and with God's help, let's meditate upon these miracles this season. First, we see the miracle of the angelic proclamation. The birth of Christ was so special that God sent an angel to announce it ahead of time. Look at Luke chapter 1. We're thankful for Mary. Uh, little Mary was... Uh, the chosen vessel to carry the Christ child in her womb. Uh, but let me make very clear, we don't worship Mary. Uh, we don't pray to Mary. Uh, we don't say Hail Marys. I don't bow down to statues of Mary. Uh, the, what a, a departure from who Mary is and God's purpose in her. Once again, 
A merry worship is another distraction from the true. The true miracle is Christ, not Mary. And nowhere in the Bible does God does the Bible call Mary the mother of God. She was a chosen vessel used to bring this holy child into the world. Matter of fact, Mary herself calls Jesus her savior. And she gives glory to God. And I think that Mary in heaven just cringes anytime someone puts uh, undue worship on her or any type of worship on her because she would point people to Christ. But that does not take away from her place in God's plan. Out of all the young ladies, out of all the virgins that God could have chosen, the appointed time had come. And out of all the ladies on the the earth at that time, the Jewish young ladies that sought to honor God with their lives, here was this young lady that God picked her out of an entire nation. And her faith was displayed in submission to God's plan. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And just imagine Mary's just a young lady going about her day. She's got a fiancé. She's preparing for life. I think that she was uh, a sweet young lady, uh, modest and kind and generous and really what you'd think of kind of a Proverbs 31 type lady, not perfect at all, but just a, a good quality young lady that wanted to honor God with her life. And she's going about her business one day and an angel comes out of nowhere and starts speaking to her and put yourself in the story. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy. She was carrying John the Baptist. Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary that we'll find out later in this portion Verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, I want you to pay special attention to that word virgin, a virgin. Some of these new Bible versions change that a word to young lady. Folks, there's nothing special about a young lady having a baby. Young ladies have babies all the time. I have met in in Chicago and we ministered there for seven years. I met 12 and 13 year old girls carrying children. And it was always just a a tragedy, children having children. There's nothing special about a young girl having a child, but there's something real special about a virgin having a baby. And so we hold to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And... Verse 27, to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Think about that uh, salutation. Uh, You'd be scary enough to have an angel just appear out of nowhere and start talking to you, but then to say these things about you. Hail thou that are highly favored. She was chosen among all the ladies on the earth. And then it talks about blessed art thou among women. Her name would always be connected with Jesus Christ in a very special way. She truly is blessed in that way. And the Lord is with thee. I believe she had a personal 
what we would call a personal walk with God. She wanted to please the Lord. She was a what, what we would be considered a good Christian young lady. Now, of course, we know this is Old Testament before Christ, but it's what we would kind of think about in the way we think about things. That's just a good, godly young lady seeking to please the Lord. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now, this is funny to me. She wasn't troubled at him. She was troubled at his saying. Now, if I saw an angel, I'd be like, I'm troubled. <laughs> you know, this is, I haven't seen an angel in at least a year. No, I'm kidding. I, but um, she was more troubled at what he said than his presence because she was saying these things about him. And, of course, we see that Mary's a very humble young lady. She didn't understand what he was saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And boy, we all should seek favor with God. Another word for God's favor is the word grace. It's a synonym for favor in the Bible. We need God's favor. We need God's grace on our lives. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David, his father. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, listen, Mary uh, was a, a sharp young lady. She was a spiritual young lady. She understood that he was talking about the Messiah, that this would be the king of kings and Lord of lords, that she was going to have the privilege to birth the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And look at her question. Out of everything she could ask, she asked this in verse 34. Then said Mary unto him, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary says, You know, angel, I know a little bit about the birds and the bees. I know a little bit how things work. And uh, how am I going to have a baby when I've never known a man intimately? Verse 35, And the angel explained, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The, God explained, the, the angel explained that God was going to perform a miracle and put this precious, I like that word holy, the holy child in her womb. And she was going to be the vessel to carry this holy child, but he would not be tainted with the sin of a human father. He would not be tainted with her sin. This holy thing would be placed in her womb by miracle of God. And then God gives her a little bit of a sign, a proof, if you will. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called bearing four with God, nothing shall be impossible. So the, the pregnancy of, of Elizabeth, her cousin, who was past childbearing years, the fact that she could have a miraculous child was a sign to this virgin birth that Mary was going to carry this child supernaturally. And it's interesting, the Elizabeth's child would be John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Christ, but God spaced these pregnancies just six months apart. And in some ways, the, the pregnancy of Elizabeth was the forerunner of the pregnancy of Mary. 
It was a proof that God can do miracles today. And we did it with someone you know, and now it's going to happen with you. And you're going to have this holy child. Now imagine for a moment just all the reactions and all the thoughts and, and emotions that must have been flooding Mary at that moment, all the reactions she could have had, reactions of fear or of anger or of frustration or how is this going to change my life and who's going to believe me and all of this. But out of all those possible reactions, we see her response in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed unto her. Do you see her faith? Out of all the reactions, Mary said, yes, sir, I belong to God, whatever God wants. You're starting to see the reasons why God chose her in the first place, aren't you? Humble, holy, surrendered, the same things we preach about today. This birth was so special that God sent an angel to announce it. The chosen time had finally come. The Israelites had waited for the Messiah for thousands of years, and now the Savior's arrival was only months away. The hopes and dreams of all of God's people were about to be fulfilled, and Mary was the chosen vessel of this precious miracle. It was an angelic proclamation and i want to show you number two gabriel's confirmation look at matthew chapter one god sent an angel to announce the birth of the christ child to mary who was going to carry him what about mary's fiance how was he going to handle the news that she was expecting and imagine hey we all he knew the birds and the bees just like mary did far as we know, these things only happen one way. Mary must have been unfaithful. And this was Joseph's thinking. We find that he was minded to put her away privately. You understand this shows, uh, you see a lot of the character of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, and we know why God chose him to be the steward of the, the Son of God. Uh, but we see that he minded to put her away privately. He was heartbroken. I don't know if she had a conversation with him and told him what happened. I don't know if, and, and he just was struggling with it, didn't believe it. I, I don't know how this happened, but he knew she was expecting and he was going to put her away privately. Now that's important because under Jewish law, she could have been killed. She was unmarried and a child is proof of infidelity according to Jewish law. She, she could have been perp-walked or marched down the street and stoned publicly. But Joseph said, I don't want that for her. And I think he was heartbroken. And he loved her, and he said, I'm just going to do this privately. But thankfully, God sent Gabriel's for confirmation. And we see that a, God knew that Joseph would need some help understanding the pregnancy of his fiancée. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Again, put yourself in the story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, so they were betrothed, they were engaged, but they hadn't come together and finalized the marriage. 
they would often have in, in Jewish culture, they'll have long uh, betrothals as they prepare for the wedding and such and prepare for life together. So they were promised to each other, and legally they belonged to each other, but they had never uh, come together. And she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Out of all the reactions that Joseph could have, he had a reaction of faith as well. Verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's important to understand that. In Jewish culture, it was the male, the man, that named the children. You see the same thing in the birth of John the Baptist. If you remember, the angel came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and said, your wife's going to have a child, and he didn't believe. And he said, what's going to be the sign? And the angel said, well, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to talk until all this is fulfilled. And Zechariah was a good man. He was a priest. He was inside the temple. He came out, couldn't talk anymore. He had to wait nine months to talk. His wife must have been so happy. And um, he had to wait nine months to talk. And imagine writing down. They'd ask him questions and writing down. I'm sure they had a little sign language going on of of things, but the day came, John the Baptist was born, the day came to name him, and they asked the, the wife, just because it's easier to talk to her, uh, what are you going to name him? And he said, we're going to name him John. And if you remember, the crowd said, whoa, nobody in your family's named John. They would tend to name with family-type generational names. And they said, nobody in your, your family's named John. So then they turned to Zacharias and motioned to him and asked him, what's the son's name? And he wrote down, his name is John. And at that moment, his tongue was loosed and he could speak and he praised God. The father names the child. And it was Zechariah struggled and had a response of doubt. And his tongue was tied until by faith he said, no, his name's John. And that was an act of faith. And here we see Joseph, he had an act of faith in believing the angel and the vision and taking Mary unto him. But there was another important moment when it came time to name the child. And the end of verse 25 says, and he called his name Jesus. That was a statement of faith. I believe this boy is going to save people from their sins. Joseph was a good man. Now here we see the confirmation Then number three, we see divine incarnation. We're talking about the miracles of uh, Christmas, the miracles surrounding the birth of Christ. Proclamation, confirmation, and divine incarnation. Luke chapter 2, we read it uh, here at our text, but I just want you to take a look at it again. Luke chapter 2. You know the story well, the time... 
came to be taxed, and Joseph had to go to the city of his fathers, which was Bethlehem. By the way, that fulfilled prophecy. They were living in Nazareth, but the Bible said that the Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. God worked out the circumstances to make sure they were in Bethlehem at the right place at the right time. Let me just encourage you, God's working in your life. You might feel like you're not in the right place. You might feel like it's not the right time or it's past time. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what the situation is. And if you keep trusting him, you'll be in the right place at the right time for his blessing. But the great, the greatest miracle about the birth of Christ is that of incarnation, where the son of God <clears throat> became a man. The word incarnate means with flesh. Uh, some of you like chili. And if you ever read on a, a, like a can of chili, it'll say chili con carne. That word carne is meat or flesh. Chili with meat. When we talk about the Son of God uh, incarnate or God incarnate, God in the flesh, this is God being put into the form of a human. That's a miracle. And not just a human man, but a child. Imagine the humility, the condescension, where the holy king of heaven left his throne and the glories of all the angels and didn't just come down to earth to live among the dust of this world and the sin-cursed nature surrounded by sin-poisoned people. No, he became a child. The son of God came to earth and he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. Had to have help changing his diaper. You see the condescension, the humility of God himself. No wonder Philippians chapter 2 talks about the humble Christ. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where life himself died to save you and I. But all the gospel plan starts with this moment where the eternal Son of God became a child. And we see how God would do this. If you look at the verses again, Mary asked, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? In verse 34, in verse 35, the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So this would be a miracle conception. And this holy child not tainted with sin. And then that great verse, verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. We use that a lot of times, don't we? And if, if you don't, you should. Memorize that verse, use it. The Holy Ghost would work. We, I read for you Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that word Emmanuel is important. People say, well, preacher, I thought his name was going to be Jesus. And sometimes fools and scoffers will say, see, the Bible's got an error because they were supposed to name him Emmanuel, but they named him Jesus. No, 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 no. It just shows someone's Bible ignorance when they talk like that. The word Emmanuel described who this baby would be. It wasn't going to be his official name that he walked on earth with. It spoke of his character and it spoke of his official office as being the mediator between God and man. But the character of this virgin born uh, child would be God with us. He had the character of God. 
He was different than any other child. He was different from any other teenager. He was holy and completely different. Mary knew it, and Joseph knew it. Imagine his babysitter growing up knew it. Joseph's brothers and or Jesus' brothers and sisters knew it. Sometimes people are surprised to find out Jesus had brothers and sisters. Because the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was immaculate and she had one perfect child and had no more children. The Bible very clearly talks about that Jesus had brothers and sisters. One time somebody asked me, Pastor, were those older or younger brothers and sisters? I just kind of looked at him for a minute, and I'm like, you know, virgin born. It's like, oh, yeah, they must have been younger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. Well, they, had a, they had a family. And here, imagine the other kids getting in trouble. Well, you never yell at Jesus. Yeah, he doesn't need it. You know, Jesus never had a timeout. He never got a spanking. Uh, he never got grounded. He was the son of God. Imagine him in school, straight A's, never got any demerits, never got in trouble, never had detention. I mean, this virgin-born child was Emmanuel. He had the character of God. He was God with us. But also spoke of his office. He was the Christ. You know, when I first got saved, I thought Christ was Jesus' last name. I didn't know any better. People called him Jesus Christ. I thought he was Mr. Christ. You know, I'm Mr. Chapman, it's Mr. Christ. I didn't know, but then I found out, no, Christ is a title. It's a, a Hebrew title given to the, the Savior that was expected for all those years. It's, it means Savior. He was the one that had come to save them. And uh, Emmanuel speaks of his, his office as the mediator between God and man, the Messiah, the Holy One of God. This was a special birth. But though born as a man, this holy child would become the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'll just read it to you, then I'm sure Brother Ken will sing a little bit for us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. There we go. Do you want to do parts? Y'all just want to have a little scene. Wonderful. Thank you. I hear the core I hear the choir and the orchestra going in my mind when when he's singing that. Yeah, that's right. That's good. The world enjoys the thought of a precious baby laying in a manger. You know, Christmas time, oh, there's the precious baby, the baby Jesus. But oftentimes the world forgets that that baby grew up. And sinners don't mind the idea of a baby Jesus, but they don't want to acknowledge a risen Savior. And this is the Son of God to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And let me just remind everybody under the sound of my voice, your knee will bow to Jesus. Your tongue will confess that He is Lord. You can either choose to do it now willingly by faith and accept Him as your Savior. Or one of these days you'll do it woefully 
in condemnation. Only a fool would wait until then. Why trust Jesus now? The choice is yours. And let's look at this lastly. We see the heavenly celebration. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We read it through as part of our text. After the baby was born, I imagine that the world was sleeping. They were unaware of this great miracle that had taken place, but heaven was watching. And as humans were sleeping, I believe they were having a praise service up in heaven. The day had finally come. If the world only knew the hopes and dreams that were in that little child, if the world only knew the benefits, the the earthly and eternal benefits that were contained in that little bundle of perfect flesh, the world couldn't help but stand up and shout and rejoice. And I, I, I picture that up in heaven they're so excited that God just had to announce it. He just, he just didn't want to keep it to himself. He couldn't keep it to himself. So he sends an angel down to announce the birth of Christ. And often, like in the old times, if a king was coming through or a regent or royalty was walking down the street, they would have a herald go before them telling them who was coming and, and kind of announcing the arrival of the important person. Here we see... Uh, an angel came in verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Who were these people? They were just shepherds. I mean, everybody's sleeping, but here's some shepherds in the field, and God says, hey, angel, there's some shepherds over there at work. Go tell them what just happened. And boy, the angel appears and begins to shout, and you can imagine these shepherds just coming out of their skin, and they look up, and there's glory, and there's an angel talking to them, and they they can feel the angel's words down to the very deepest part of their soul. Man, something was happening. And then after the angel announced it, it's like God pulls back the veil of heaven a little bit and a heavenly chorus begins praising God. We see in verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. Men could have peace now because of this child. They could have peace with God because of this child and through his shed blood. They could have peace with one another through this child as through Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we can fulfill the law of God by loving God and loving our neighbor. And then goodwill toward men. Man, folks, God looks down from heaven and the sin of mankind cries out for judgment. The stench of our sin goes into his nostrils and every sinner is a heartbeat away from hell, a moment away from an eternal damnation. But yet, God the Father sends his only begotten Son in the ultimate show of goodwill. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Has there ever been a more precious olive branch? Has there ever been a more priceless gift of goodwill toward men? You deserve judgment. But I want to save you. I want to be good to you. Not only save you and forgive your sin, I'll make you my child. I'll take you a place to called heaven. I'll build you a mansion. I'll make you an heir of my eternal riches. 
and all the goodwill that God has planned towards redeemed man. What a day. What a miracle. But the greatest miracle is that Jesus was born, this little virgin born child, was born to provide a way of salvation for sinners. And so I just ask you this morning as you celebrate Christmas, the presents, the songs, the decorations, are you saved? Are you born again? You folks, if you're lost, you can be opening a Christmas present and die and go to hell if you're not saved. Season means nothing. If you're not saved, today's the day of salvation. But if you are saved, make sure you take some time this Christmas season and just thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth this morning. We pray that you would bless your people. Help us to remember all the wonderful things that happen, not just on this day, but because of this day. And then, Lord, help us to get out the gospel far and wide. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you're not sure you're saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Why not trust Christ today? We can show you how. Would you take a moment right there and just thank Jesus for dying for you? Would you thank God for the amazing plan that worked out all the details of salvation, the willingness of Christ to become a man and live among his creation that had been tainted and perverted by sin? Let's be thankful this Christmas season. Share the love of Christ. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open. It's good to take a few minutes and talk to the Lord. If you're not sure you're saved,